Playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. Welcome to American Soccer Analysis. I'm your host, Harrison Crow. I am joined with two amazing, brilliant minds in Sean Steffen and Jason Poon. J- Jason, first of all, thank you for finally... You know, I think we've only had you on maybe once or twice previously. You've never had me. You have tried you... to have me. I kept... You just never got the schedule to work out. What's funny is, like, I finally, like, what, like two hours ago, I, I hit you up and was like, hey, join us. <laughs> That might have been better. That's what we're just gonna do in the in the future. We're just gonna like give you late notices and uh, and, and just like kind of throw it over. I'll be all due respect though. It was actually Sean's. Sean emailed me, slacked me, texted me, and tweeted me to get you on. <laughs> That's a lot of commitment. <laughs> he he had every means of like. Like I, I looked down at my phone and I had literally four different <laughs> messages through four different applications. <laughs> you didn't answer the first one. I'm but, sorry. And then I, I saw had... you tweeting, but then I saw you tweeting, so I was just like, "Why well, he's on Twitter?" So I'll DM him. <laughs> and then, but I just texted you, so I was like, uh... <laughs> "I'm gonna remove like my information from Sean. I'm having it now." Well, my what's, gosh. what's even funny like my parents, is Sean. You just uh you just put your phone number into Slack today. So guess what? I you're it's all's fair game now. You better go back and delete that real fast. All right. Um <laughs> Sean, how how are you doing? You you've been busy this week with uh, all sorts of uh fun stuff for our model front office. Um kind of from most people's peer view, but uh other than that, week's been good. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been great. Uh some great MLS games, some great, uh, uh, I saw the Juventus game, which was pretty interesting. Uh, then, uh, the Real Madrid game was kind of fun. It was a good weekend of soccer. Yeah, absolutely. So let, let's, let's just do that. Let's dive right into this. Let's go first over to, uh, the East coast. Uh, the first game of the, of uh, the weekend, Columbus versus the Red Bulls. Um, man, this was, uh, this was kind of crazy. Right from the start, I had my brother-in-law sitting right next to me, and we're sitting in my office, and I just was like, oh, yeah, I just want to I just want to watch a few minutes of this game, and then I want to click over to the Seahawks game because he's a huge Seahawks fan. So we're going to do the whole, you know, flip back and forth. And uh, <laughs> 12 seconds, he just, like, looks at me, like, mouth agape and just, is this how things normally are? <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just, like, freaking out going, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, Justin Miram. Um, first of all, that everybody will throw it right at Justin Miram, but that pass by Will Trapp, that was, uh, and, and of course, Kai Kamar to win yet another header. That guy just does not stop uh, in the air. What, what did you think of uh, just like the first half, Sean? Well, I actually have an interesting tidbit about that. Um, uh, I have a friend who covers uh, Red Bulls, uh, Russ McKenzie, and uh, uh, he got some quotes on that and. Uh, Apparently, that's something that Columbus does a lot, <clears throat> and it was something uh, as an initial play, and it was something that the Red Bulls knew about and were prepared for and still screwed up. Wow, that's 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 kind of tough. Uh, Jason, what, have you 
is this something that you see a lot more um, to where you have these set plays right from the beginning? I know the Red Bulls had one, uh, have done it a couple times over the last couple years. They had that goal with uh, Tim Cahill, what, two years ago. Um, This is, it seems like teams are taking more and more advantage of when the uh, dead ball plays, so to speak. Is this something you think that will continue uh, to just only enhance uh, in MLS, or is this just kind of something that just teams do it already and it just was something that just happened to work out? Yeah, I mean, I really like it. Uh, it it seems to only highlight, you know, when it happens, like when you brought you know, Tim Cahill and uh, it's just a mirror goal. Uh, when it happens, it's like, and people say, oh, actually, these are kind of designed and set plays. Like, it probably happens a lot more than we actually know or see. It's just that the, the, the initial pass over the top just doesn't find the right player. It just, it just sails over everyone into the, into the keeper. But I've heard it's probably been around for a long time. We just never figured it out because it just looks so broken or like what's happening out there. But I, I do yeah. think doing more of this will actually be a good thing. I mean, a quick goal, always, always, always very exciting. Well, not only that, but it also definitely boosts um, your – win probability right out of the gates right uh going up one nothing it automatically moves you into a positive game state and it changes changes your opponent's tactics right from the get-go from what they had so um with that built to their personnel too you've got trap amazing at sending long balls yes got kamara amazing winning headers and then you've got finley and miram good at running onto the onto these headers it's just kind of just well designed even if it's very simple yeah. So um, let's let's talk a little bit about that. New York kind of came back fast and in a hurry and challenged Steve Clark. But man, um, for as much as for as much as there is hype around Robles, and, and I don't want to necessarily talk about his his award because you know league awards are trivial and we can all get angry about it all we want. But um, the fact is he got, he got that award and it's not as if he was terrible either. Um, so let, let's just bypass that. Steve Clark actually. I thought was really, really good in this game. And I, I think that he really cut down the momentum that the Red Bulls really started charging back with. Um, Jason, can you, did you, did you watch this game at all? To be honest, I was on the, in the car. You were on, on the road? East Texas. <laughs> I just made it in time to catch the Dallas game, but I did watch um, like the condensed version of it. So I did see some of the buildup, like, after the goal, and then New York's response uh, to it. And you're right, Steve Clark was uh, incredible. Uh, so, Sean, what did you think of uh, the the first half there of uh, Columbus and then New York's kind of uh, attempt, to, uh, attempt to respond? Well, I think New York got started out the right way, and they weren't able to recreate what they did initially, which is, like, I believe, the fifth minute um, Sam came in, and he got that ball to question, and the uh, question was pretty much wide open. I mean, uh, we don't have the uh, expected goal on it yet, but I would I would imagine, just given the, given the proximity, it would be about a point six, uh, you know, about 60% chance. And, uh, yeah, Clark just shut it down, shut the shot down. And, uh, honestly, we didn't see enough of that from Sam throughout the game. It was uh, kind of a problem. Uh, the Red Bulls did push a lot down that right side, but when you look at like where Kleschen was most of the game, uh, he was getting 
uh, all the penetration was coming down uh, that side. They were getting, or coming down the other side. He was getting shut out of the other. And I don't think that they were getting enough, uh, uh, they weren't getting enough width uh, from um, Grella. And that was kind of a problem. And there's so much, and I think you have to have width down that side particularly. Because, uh, obviously, I talk about this a lot on uh, Twitter, but uh, Finley is a real defensive liability, and there's a lot of space behind him to be had there. There are only two uh, right mids in the league with over 1,500 minutes that average under a tackle a game, and that's Finley and Nick DeLeon. Finley is Is that a tackle one or a tackle attempted? Tackle one. Okay. So it's not and, this- so the the probability does therein lie that he's actually – it's not as if he's not there. It's just maybe that he's not as good winning those when those situations arise. Oh, that's possible. I mean that's something that we can definitely look at since we do have them uh, both broken down. Um, in terms of just defensive actions as a whole, dead last, which is you know quite stunning uh, given uh, the fact that you know he is so hyped up. And he is such a good player, and he does have that speed. You would expect him to get back. Yeah, I think that speed and physical abilities, I think, don't necessarily um, equate, I mean, all the time to defensive prowess. I mean, we see this especially with uh, early on with um, Elvis Powell. We saw it with uh, DeAndre Yedlin. I think that it's, while Finley's not necessarily the fullback type, I think that that probably more underlines the fact that his defensive capabilities are a little bit soft and, and that he maybe doesn't have all the tools or all the skills that are, are associated with winning those those positions. So, But that being said, I'd be interested to see how he is on a year-by-year basis and see how that's changed over the last few years. Well, I do know that it was a problem last year uh, because uh, that's when I first noticed it. And it is still a problem. So uh, that's something to really write on. Uh, it is an, a topic that seems to draw a lot of attention anytime I tweet about it. I guess because there's just such a lot of there's a lot of hype around it because it's inherently connected to the Klinsman's bad at selecting rosters. And when you say that, you have to bring up people that you would select instead. And Finley's become one of the ones with Phil Hopper that you always throw out there. So uh, anytime I tweet something, people are always very they very much push back against it. So yeah, that's. That might be something they have to, to write about and really explore. Well, um, looking on beyond uh, just the first half, um, the second half in general really kind of started going more the Red Bulls way. Um, the first half, the Red Bulls had those opportunities, but you know when everything closed out and everything was said and done, um, overall, I mean, it was tied eight to eight on shots, and it's not as if you know those those any specific team had uh, had an advantage. So going into it, uh, the second half, Red Bulls created a bunch more shots early on um, and looked like they might have had an opportunity to really um, at least come away with this with a road goal, let alone a draw. And just things just, they just could not find those opportunities. I mean, that's just what it kind of came down to. Uh, just yeah, nothing was... ended up falling for him, and and, and I hate using you know, complete non you know verbal type non real expressive things, but they weren't good with the putting the ball in the hole in the goal thing. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, Jurgen Klopp had a really good saying going into uh, Liverpool and Manchester City on Sunday. He said uh, something to the effect, uh, or on Saturday, he said, uh, "I just want." To, 
to shoot the ball in it to go in. And it feels so it, that that kind of feels like what Jesse March just needed so so badly was for the ball just to be shot, which was happening, and then for it to get past Steve Clark, which you know wasn't. So um, the well, second, think, go ahead. Well, I mean, you have to the build up for New York. Uh, what was very interesting was you know Columbus is the, they crossed the most in the league. Red Bulls actually outcrossed them in this game, and Red Bulls aren't a team that necessarily cross a lot. I mean, they do cross, uh, but they're not. Uh, they're not. You wouldn't expect them to outcross Columbus at home or in Columbus. And I think that that was kind of by design. Not, I mean, by design on Columbus's part. I think they were pushing them out wide. They were saying, you know, we don't. We're not going to let you uh, have all this penetration into the final. Third. We're going to push you out wide, and we're going to make you send in those crosses because we don't think, you know, a BWP and a Sasha question and a, you know, and a Grell is as, as effective you know, going left or right on those crosses than, than uh, you know, than going through those central channels. And I think it really frustrated uh, Red Bulls. They only had a, a couple of opportunities on through balls that really broke it down. Well, one thing that was really kind of interesting is that really um, Dax McCarty had a terrible game with passing. And it wasn't that um, – he specifically was putting a lot of balls forward either. He he had four crosses, um, and he had he ended up with seven long balls, but he had a he had a sub what he had like a seventy percent. I think uh, uh, Ben Bear tweeted out that he had like a seventy percent passing rate or less than seventy, and these were all on majority on short passes, and that just kind of went downhill as the as the game go went by as he was launching balls forward, trying to trying to get that goal. Um, I kind of feel like this game was kind of lost in, with Dax McCarty not having the game that he needed to have. Uh, his ability to track back, win balls, and to keep possession is kind of a hallmark of what the Red Bulls are going to do. And so when you have him out of, out of sync, it just kind of really left him at a disadvantage, I feel. Um, what, what are some of your thoughts on M- McCarty and his game? Uh, I mean, I, I've always been a fan of uh, McCarty. Uh, yeah, I I didn't actually look at him. I don't, didn't, for some reason, didn't occur to me to look at um, his passing specifically. But uh, come to think of it, watching that game, he was completely invisible. Yeah, and, and I think another thing that just at least as far as I'm concerned, the, the amount of touches that BWP had, he had 33 total touches in this game. I, I that's, I mean, when you, when you really look at, um, and, and compare, I was actually kind of comparing both him and Kamara and, and they're very similar, um, not necessarily in how they create shots, but in the fact that, um, th- their figure within the offense, they have about roughly the same, uh, total, uh, percentage of touches for the team yeah I I think roughly 5.9 I think is what they have each so I mean it's not like they're holding down a whole bunch of uh touches necessarily but at the same time they're putting roughly the same amount of production on per touch and one thing that we really saw was Kamara was 58 touches versus the 33 I mean we saw Kai Kamara way more involved in, in this game six shots BWP two shots 33 touches I mean that's that says a lot about um, what what's going on up the field. And some of that you can relate, as you said, back to uh, Sam not being able to um, 
really be able to find stuff, uh, find openings, find spots to put the ball. But uh, I, I kind of, kind of think that you have to find ways to get your strikers the ball and when your top you know ball handler Dax McCarty can't complete passes you're going to be in trouble yeah definitely um it, it's going to be interesting to see taking this back to New York um I think New York definitely has a capability to at least tie this and take this to penalties or you know take this into extra time I don't think it's insurmountable by any means no, I don't think so either. I think that this is um, this is still a, a game that could be won by either club. Um, Jason, do you do you got any final thoughts on on going into Lake Two where where these two teams lie? Yeah, I'm. I mean, having not seen the game, I'm not even. It, but looking just looking at the chalkboard and the highlights, like it seemed like it was a very odd, very odd game. Uh, from Dax McCarty, like you guys already covered. I'm just wondering, is that, was that, is he tired? Like, he logs a lot of minutes uh, for this team. He runs a lot. Is this, is he, has he been overrun, like overused now? Or was it just a one-off? And I'm not sure, but maybe you guys have an insight to that. No, I think that's a good that's a good uh, mention, and that's something that I think got brought up with uh, with some of the Sounders players in that Dallas uh, in that Dallas series uh, going into the second leg. You know, even the, at the end of that first leg, they they obviously looked exhausted, even though they had a lot of the uh, a lot of the momentum. They still looked tired, and so going into the second leg, obviously, it, the question was, you know, whether or not you know they. They had players that could they could keep that up, and of course, you know, players just shrug it off and says, "Oh, I'm fine, I'm fine, you know, it's good." Um, I feel like this someone even had an interview on this, and I don't remember who it was, but uh, it's it's an interesting thought, and it's um, something that, as you said, we'll we'll definitely have to watch going into the next uh, going into the next leg to see how that works out. We can even um, test that. We can even test that. You can just look at um, if it's a matter of because they're running the press, which is very tiring. You can you can look at his uh, pass percentages, just game by game by game, plot it and see if there is like a decline, if there is sort of a drop off, see if it is sort of a this guy just needs a couple weeks off sort of thing. Yeah, no, that that's that's an interesting uh, thought. I don't well, know. They did that... just come off of a break, actually. I know um, we said national break. They're two weeks off. But here, here's the other thing. Just because you have two weeks off doesn't necessarily make you less tired. I mean, I, I know that sounds really stupid to say. Um, <laughs> it, uh, look, you know, as, as someone that that used to do a lot of running, um, and I, I stress used to, not so much now, your body wears down. And, and I, I think it's kind of... Um, I think it's kind of a, a question over a certain period of time that if whether or not these these two week gaps really do help. Um, I don't know. I, I suppose all athletes will say yes, you know, without a doubt. I think that it, as Sean said, I think it, it's something definitely to study. And I think it's definitely something to question. I, I don't think it's um, ridiculous to say hey we should we should study this a little bit more closely to find out if this is actually helping our players and if it's not how do we what can we do to counteract it right so i i just automatically assuming that it works in your advantage i think 
automatically assuming anything works in your advantage is kind of uh, silly. I think you have to do at least put forth an effort to, to do a little research. But um, yeah, uh, so I got a question for you, Jason. So something that kind of came up yesterday, uh, two days ago on, on Twitter um, or yesterday on Twitter. Uh, Sean was uh, berating people and, and mocking them, <laughs> and, and he, he he very much frustrated a lot of people. Uh, I was a jerk yesterday, yeah. By posing the question, um, not really posing the question so much as stating uh, that the Columbus crew would not qualify uh, for the playoffs in the Western Conference. What do you uh, think about that? And, and I'd love to get your perspective. You're a smart dude. I'd, I'd like to I'd like to hear what you have to say about that. Well, I'm going to debunk what you just said about me being smart and just <laughs> with my answer. And also, I'm going to go against Sean here. So actually, I do think they will make it. Um, and just to play devil's advocate, and plus, some makes more interesting show, I guess. But yeah, I actually do think they they will make. Probably not. They definitely don't won't do as well. But I do think they could probably. But how many how many teams make the playoffs now? Six, seven, eight. There's a lot of them. Six. Oh, six. six in the. So, the way yeah. to look at it is they would have to beat Sporting Kansas City because they were the team that qualified last. Right. So, so you really have to look at it. It's, are they a better team than Sporting Kansas City? But I okay for so starting out, you're 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 already kind of locking yourself into an argument. So I am. <laughs> no, well, no, no, not you, Sean. Oh, Sean's yeah. talking about comparing them against Sporting Kansas City, and I don't think you do that necessarily because Sporting Kansas City ran into its own slew of injuries, and you know who's to say that Seattle's the same team that they are, or even San Jose's the same team that they are. Second half of the season, they're much better. So just saying, hey, are they better than Sporting Kansas City is kind of oh, anything. No. Anything I meant can this happen. Year, though. I mean, if had they played this year, Sporting Kansas City goes with the same troubles. All teams play exactly the same form, have the same injury pitfalls, so the Sounders still have their Clint Dempsey, Ophemi Martins issue. All that goes on, can Columbus beat Sporting Kids? I think it's a toss-up, but to me, I think it's a toss-up. I mean, I think, and I don't think it's just an East Coast thing, because I think New York would finish second or third in the West, probably second. I think Dallas uh, is the would have uh, won the Shield if it were if New York were in the West, but. But, uh, well, you know, but that's, but that, I don't have a lot of data behind this opinion. It was just some snark I threw out there, but it, it did create quite, quite a discussion. Well, yeah, but I mean, I, I did that research on how Dallas fared or, or rather New York fared early on in the season against some of the best uh, top rated RPI teams, uh, according to uh, what was it? The uh, sporty uh, sports club stats or what? Uh, what is it? Uh, yeah, sports club stats, RPI. Um, they have their own uh, their own little RPI uh, system that they've crafted. And if you judge New York based off of those teams, they did not uh, off the top four or five teams. They didn't fare very well. But that being mm-hmm. said, it was also early on earlier on the season, and that's that's kind of rough to. When you're working within a specific parameter, it's not like they get to play them, you know, certain games at the beginning of the season and then at the end of the season. Some teams, either you, some of them face them all in the end, some of them all. So, I mean, it's all about the situation that's that's kind of going on. Uh, 
the 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 individual context of every game is different. So one specific thing that uh that Tom Warville uh mentioned because I, I I pinged him about this today and he said look at look at Elo look at their club's Elo and, and compare that which I thought was a really kind of a good way and that's actually something that Tom is so curd uh so kind to uh to update for us uh right now Columbus at the end of week 34 had the fifth highest ELO in MLS. Um, New York Red Bulls fall by fall, uh, fell third, which kind of supports your, your theory with, uh, the galaxy second and Dallas, uh, first. So the hoops, Wait, as the you galaxy was second, what? The, the galaxy was second. <laughs> okay. Well, that just debunks the entire, you should have even mentioned that you had me convinced until you said the galaxy was second. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, <laughs> Now, 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 did I just shoot, did I, did I shoot holes in my own argument? <laughs> yeah, the Galaxy is the second best team in MLS, is that according to the yellow? Not, yeah, ne- not, necessarily the, not necessarily the second best team, but I think that it's uh, it definitely plants uh, a seed to think that they were probably better than what they uh, than how they showed. I mean, they played some really good games against some strong teams and Elo rewards that. And you can't deny that they didn't. Yeah. Well, I think the problem with raiding the galaxy this year, which is why I haven't done a lot of long-term stuff on the galaxy season this year, like I did last year is the galaxy really played three teams this year. Um, They had the young team to start the year. They had an intermediate team, which was the best team. And then they had a post geo team, which uh, kind of fared the worst. And, that was the team that ended up losing uh, in the playoffs. So I think a but he lot looks really of, good in a cardigan. <laughs> but I think a lot of the ELO stuff is is probably going to come from you know those those string of five nothing wins at home in that intermediate period where Sebastian Legette was scoring goals for fun. So what, Jason? What are what are you kind of your thoughts on this? On the ratings, or what, what are we talking about now? Uh, Columbus in general in the Western <laughs> Conference. Do you think do you do you subscribe to the idea that uh, the Elo over a 34 game stretch is is a good enough measure to kind of say yeah Columbus could probably uh, survive and and possibly even thrive in the Western Conference, or is it more that the Eastern Conference is a little bit more uh, inflated due to have having two expansion teams and probably two teams that uh, are kind of really, well, to be flat out honest, they're, they're lousy in Chicago and uh, Philadelphia. So, you know, which is it? Or, or is it even something in the middle? I mean, honestly, and realistically, it's probably something in the middle. But, yeah, I still, I still think that Columbus could uh, be in the Western Conference and still make, be a playoff team. Uh, probably not do as well as they did this year, but I mean the way they the way they would have played out those games against Western Conference opponents would have been different. Would play out differently. Their tactics, their game plan, uh, their execution would have been different. So it's it's hard to know, but it's, it's but it's a fun uh, dialogue to have. But I do think that um, that Columbus the Columbus crew do have uh, do have the weapons to to make a run in the in the West. But I'm not going to straight up argue with Sean on this because, well, it's 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 a no-win situation to argue with Sean. Sean usually comes out on top. <laughs> I, think, I don't have data on this one. This was purely <laughs> throwing it out. I'm not even sure about my own argument. I just threw it out there kind of snarkily, and it created like a – and I just decided to stick to my guns on the argument. And then 
<laughs> it just created like a, a mini firestorm. But um, it, I think it's definitely interesting just because I respect Kansas City so much and Kansas City, uh, you know, ends up finishing where they finish. And then I think uh, I don't see them edging out Seattle. I don't see them edging out um, L.A. I don't see them edging out Portland. Like the West was just incredibly strong this year. Um, and they usually are. But I think this year out of all the years, it's it was just more pronounced. Um, probably because we added Sporting Kansas City, and uh, it's yeah, it's a very tough question. It's an unanswerable question. I, I think that there's a couple other things to to consider. Um, I think this year's version of Columbus over this season is much better than what we've seen in the past, and, and that's not to to underrate uh, Columbus um, or past iterations of of them. They've been a fine team, especially the last three years. But one thing that we've continued to see with expected points is every year they're they're turning it up just a notch. And with Greg Berhalter the last couple of years, he's especially uh, helped amplify those abilities uh, and, and where that team's at and fine tune some pieces. And they've added some really good depth. Um, the the fact that Chris Clute is coming off off the bench to um, fulfill a defensive role is pretty crazy to me. I, I think that that's amazing that they somehow have walked into that. I still think that he's a starting left back on a couple other teams. So, uh, But with that being said, I, I think that they're a really strong team that has a lot of strong pieces, and I think he arranges them very well in, in a nice fitted orchestra that, that just accentuates the player's skills. And I think that because of that, we're seeing – a team that doesn't necessarily just rely on Federico Higuain anymore to be everything, but instead is a team that can, uh, that can find its identify weaknesses in the other team and expose it. And that's, um, they just cross a lot. I, I would completely disagree. I think there's very little nuance to Columbus. I think that the, this is a 2012 San Jose all over again, only they're not quite as good at it. And, um, I think when you have Iguain and Finley in your roster, th- two guys who aren't putting in defensive actions, uh, you're going to uh, a problem with them in general. That's when with I think those that two players, oversimpl- they've always had really a lot of possession. oversimplifying. I mean, it's it's fine to call them the uh, call them that to an extent because Kai Kamara. I mean, he he is flat out the best winner of uh, aerial duels in oh, all absolutely. of MLS. I mean, and so, I so I'm, if Kai was on my team. I don't think it's a bad thing to be simplistic. I, th- no, I respect no, but at well, the same time, say, but I same don't time, think you have Justin Miram on the wings, who's very underrated. You have Will mm-hmm. Trapp, who's by far the best. And we're talking about what a 21 year old, 20 year old, who is the best in MLS at delivering a through ball from the midfield. You're not so, going to find a bigger Will Trapp fan than me. No, I, I like a lot of Colum- what Columbus does. I just am unwilling to call them sophisticated. I, I, I think to call them a, just a clear-out passing team, I, I think is – I think we've seen them diversify at multiple times. That being said, I'm really interested to see them take on Dallas um, once more after Dallas absolutely destroyed them uh, with uh, their youngsters earlier this year and, and transitioning – Jason, are we going to be able to get to see that game? <laughs> uh, that's a good transition question. I don't know. I honestly don't know. I'm I mean, not... You, you're not you're not a blind 
FC Dallas fan. You're you're a smart guy that can bring criticism when it's warranted. You, but you understand what your team's good at at the same time. Portland has holes. They have holes, but here's the thing: I've not seen Portland in this situation, or Caleb Porter team in this situation before, where they're up to nothing, and they just need to go on the road and just throw everyone behind the ball. I I don't know if can I feel can like Caleb we have that? seen that team, and that team's lousy. <laughs> <laughs> can they do? Yeah, but Dallas is also not that great in possession too. Like we've tried that. Uh, we have different areas. Even though we have Marlo Diaz, for some reason, it doesn't work. Like when Dallas has more, this is a little bit dated. This is probably like three months dated. But when Dallas had more possession, they actually didn't win more games. They were actually better. They had a higher chance of winning games when they actually could uh, see the possession over. So I don't see Portland uh, putting, you know, bringing it to Dallas. I see them kind of stepping it back a little bit and get, letting Dallas have the ball and then trying to hit, hit us or hit Dallas on the counter. So I don't. I don't know. I, I'm not. Sh- I don't know. If this, if, is this when the lack of experience catches up with this team, or is or is Dallas going to break through here and fi- finally see you know Mauro Diaz really just take it up to another level or not? But I'm I'm skeptical. No, I I have a question for you. Do you feel like Portland got lucky on some of those on some of those attempts? Uh, because I mean, looking at it, they didn't take one shot within the actual six yard box, um, <laughs> I, with the exception of the, of the goal um, that was scored kind of haphazardly. Um, that I felt Jesse well, Gonzalez really sh- did. They have the, they had, the second goal. Yeah, they had two cent- two center back two center back oh. goals from set pieces That's and then right. a, a Galaza. So I think you. The, the luck question is very much in play here. Well, I, I, I'm just looking at the chalkboard right now, so yeah. it's hard for me to establish where those two goals happened. Um, but it seems like the set pieces, set pieces can, and I don't want to take anything away from Portland. I think they're a very organized squad on set pieces, or at least they've showed that the last few weeks of the season. They've, they've kind of pulled stuff out. That being said, I, I really don't want to give them credit for those two goals because I felt like Jesse Gonzalez really should have had those, and that was just of some really bad marking on Dallas's end, and Portland just happened to be in the in the right side of that. And, and you know, you, okay, you got to be in the right place to score the right goal, but at the same time, um, at this point in the season, to just play that poorly in, in, in those types of crucial situations is really frustrating, right? Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, that's your first question. It's like, uh, Portland lucky is like a little bit, but I don't want to t- take, I don't mean that in a, in a derogatory way because, or in a negative way. I mean, a lot of Dallas has been lucky too. And we've, we've walked out of games where we should not have gotten points from. And it just happens across the board. And, for whatever reason, the soccer guys just did not did not like Dallas, and uh, just the wrong combination. The whole back line was was pretty awful. Uh, and Zach Lloyd had that really uh, terrible clearance pass, or whatever you want to call it, that went straight to Espria, and he knuckled that thing. The ball had some serious voodoo on it. Like I don't even know how the ball spun that way, the move like that. But that's uh, Galazzo. But it it's just things like that happen. That was um, like a Clayton Kershaw curveball. That was disgusting. 
that, that's the best thing I could come up with when I saw it. I, I, I don't think I've seen anything that large move that way. I don't think I've ever seen anything outside of a baseball move in in that manner. It was it was incredible. And so I mean, you give them props because that it was amazing. But it made me think of like uh, when uh, who was it? It was one of um, Arsenal's young players that was trying to recreate the goal scored by Thierry Henry years later. And like, he took like 14, 15, 16 different attempts to try to like turn around and, and make that shot. And, and it just couldn't happen. And it makes me kind of laugh. You know, you, you tip your hat. It was really perfectly uh, weighted. It was just a perfect situation. But the question is, is whether or not that's a reasonable expectation to, for them to continue to score those types of goals. And I would have to say no. But then again, they don't have to score any goals they going don't. into the next game. So I, I guess you're kind of stuck. Can Dallas come back and score two goals? I think the only way for that to happen is I really – Dallas will have to do, right off the bat do what uh, Columbus did. Launch something up there for Castillo and Barrios to run onto and see if they could make a very quick goal uh, right at the kickoff. Um, that would – because the – if we can, if Dallas cannot score in the first 15 minutes, it, at least it becomes psychologically a lot more difficult for them to get uh, uh, to get to get on the to get on the board. Um, and then looking at uh, Portland's away goal scoring or the goals conceded in the they're first very good away team. They're a very good away team. Their first uh, 30 minutes uh, away. They have, uh, in the regular season, they have not scored a single goal, and they've conceded eight. So that opening 15, 30 minutes is crucial for Dallas for them to have any chances to get uh, any points. And yes, Portland's very good away. Dallas is also very good at home. So it'll be mm -hmm. very interesting to see how this plays out. And then the, the 2 0 score line obviously uh, favors uh, the game state for, for Portland and how they'll, they'll step onto the field. So I, I, it's kind of fun. I get to I, I kind of throw some jabs at Timbers uh, fans already, and I'm sure that uh, I'll, I'll probably have text messages tomorrow morning from Drew. Um, <laughs> Where is but, Drew, by the way? What's that? Where is Drew? I was hoping to do this with him. Yeah, uh, I. That's a great question. I, you know, I, I kind of threw it out here, and I never got a response to him. I know he's really busy with, you know, this being, you know, close to a uh, key political season. So, you know, he's in, in extra high demand with his services. So, sometimes I'm sure he'll be on very uh, within the next uh, within the next few weeks when uh, Portland wins their first MLS Cup, and we can all <laughs> he can he can brag over me and stuff. Sean, let's talk a little bit about Lucas Milano. Was this his best game as a Portland Timber? No. Have you seen his chalkboard? I haven't seen his chalkboard. <laughs> it's not but impressive. His, but his first, his first, goodness, the first ten minutes, well, it yeah, just seemed he like that, he was. Uh, he was very active in the first ten minutes, and he had that almost goal. Um, but as a whole, he kind of fizzled as he does. I think the. This might have been Nagby's um, best game uh, this year, which is um, oh, he's sure. had a he's had a lot of great games. But if you see his chalkboard, it's it's kind of ridiculous. He had uh, three chances from created three chances from the run of play, two from corners, 
Um, he only had four incomplete passes all game. I believe only one incomplete pass in the final third. Just and his uh, they were his passes were everywhere. He was everywhere in this game, and it was an absolute nightmare. And I think the reason why Aspria was able to uh, have some of the freedom that he had was that Uloa had to um, you know had to respect like he was he had to stick on Nagby at all times. And, um, you know, I'm a huge Hollingshead fan, and I think Hollingshead really negated um, uh, I re- really uh, negated Aspria for most of the game. Um, I think Hollingshead had six defensive actions. But, um, you know, with Castillo up there, um, he only had one. It's, you know, it's kind of tough, and Aspria had got his chance and was able to— uh, was able to capitalize them, and, you know, uh, he had he, his map was pretty good as well. But, uh, and Milano, I mean, I've nicknamed him Meh Milano because he <laughs> seems to, I mean, I like what I see from him, like, skill set-wise, but it just doesn't seem to come together. And that's kind of been, you can say that for a lot of timber signings over the years, um, until maybe now. I think a lot of them are starting to kind of come together, but... I'm just not convinced about him yet. Well, he definitely faded in the, as the, as the game go uh, went by. I mean, as you said, he was really great in the first few, first 15 minutes, maybe 20 minutes. Well, how much Excuse of that was me. Nagby? Because well, Nagby and, was and that's and that's what I every was time Nagby got the ball, through ball. Every time he got the ball, like I made the joke that he was like it was like me and FIFA when I just keep hitting triangle button because I just love yeah. ball. Like <laughs> he was still like that. he just kept like you know he's like it was every time he had the ball he was looking to send it and you know. That there's a lot of risk reward involved, but it was definitely causing problems in the back line. No, I, I he definitely was, and I think that I, I very much agree that this was um, this Darlington Nagby has has finally become everything. I shouldn't say finally. He he's starting more. I don't. Know, I hate using statements like this. I'm I'm, I'm trying not to be so uh, so. He he's just finally being that decisive, game-changing playmaker that everyone knew that he could be, and everyone expects him to be. But he only shows some time. Now he's been far more consistent over the last second half of the season, and even entering into this last uh, this these last playoff games, it's been so amazing to just see him come to life and be everything that. Portland needed him to be because there's no way that you can convince me that Portland's in this position without Nagby playing this type of this type of ball. It's been a lot of fun to watch and to see him grow. And even more exciting, he's a playmaker that your Klinsman seems to be willing to put on the field, which is the first. Well, and in the right position. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> when Hollingshead get up, when Hollinghead get up there, they he he'll be put in as an attractive midfielder, and he can play up front with with Nagby. Hollingshead Hollingshead can play anywhere. I'm convinced of this. Hollingshead is one of my like secret favorite players. Um, I'm I, it's becoming harder and harder for me to hide just how much I want him on the national team. He I think he might just be the best uh, fullback because I'm I think he could play right back too, like in the in the pool. Um, if you if you want a defensive uh, winger, he's that as well. Hmm. Inter- interesting conjecture there, sir. Well, I mean, okay, I'll back it up a little. He uh, from uh, right in. If you look at right mid minutes, and none of this is adjusted for possession, and it's worth noting that Dallas does concede a lot of possession, so that does change a lot of this. Uh, 
right mid for right mids when he pl- when he plays right mids. I believe he's got like 800 minutes at right mid. He has the most defensive actions when he's in left mid minutes. He has the most defensive actions. This is for anyone in the league who's had minutes at that position. And I believe I capped it. At, you had to have over six appearances. Is, is what I did. But I mean, that's really impressive. And uh, yes, Dallas does concede a lot, so it it would change a little if you adjust for possession. Um, I'm not convinced that it would put him to a point that he still wouldn't be elite. And when you look at the others that are up there, they're not Americans, uh, with the exception of Robbie Rogers. So I think definitely he's someone to watch and someone to look out for. So um, I, we've had this discussion going for uh, about 45 minutes, and we've mentioned uh, Castillo's name just once, uh, really directly. He had all of 40 touches. He created two shots, one himself, one for a teammate. Jason, what happened to him? Honestly, I don't know. I Actually, I was writing a little bit about it for the Big D Soccer. And just like, you know, since his call-up to the Colombian national team, which is very well-deserved, you know, he has yeah, he scored one goal in nine appearances for Dallas. I mean, in there, he's he's uh, also put in three assists. But something, I, I have no idea what it is, and I, and I wish we had a wider camera angle because I, I just don't know where his starting position is and where, where the, are the defenses cheating over to his side a little bit more? Or is he just not making the same runs anymore? Um, he's, still, he's still aggressive at taking people on, and... Some of them, uh, he, he's able to pull off and, and get by the defender a lot of times. But it seems like a lot of times, once he gets on the ball, there's there's a defender on him and another one closing down really quickly, um, Do you which think- was not the case early in the season where there was yards of space for him to just run, just tap the ball and like, I'm just going to outrun you. Do you think his eyes are starting to get a, a little, starting to look a little more overseas or a little, I guess the right now the only confirmed offer that I've heard is uh, uh, from Club America. Uh, I believe they ha- they put down 7.5. Was I, I don't know if it's confirmed. It's definitely uh, strongly suggested. Uh, yeah. Do you think that might be something to do with it? I mean, once you start getting call-ups, you know, uh, to the Colombian national team, and then you start having these big clubs well, around the world putting down offers for you, how much, you know, he grew up with this Dallas club, and he said that before, and, you know, I, I yeah. believe that. But how much... Do you sort of look beyond MLS at that point and realize this is kind of my moment to, you know, go overseas? Maybe it's not he's not as present as he has been in the past. It's it's very possible. I mean, it's it's fun for me to speculate what it could be, and I, try, I always try to put myself in a player's shoes. Okay, if I had this was my job, my profession, and I'm getting offers to do something else, yeah, that'd be kind of temp- tempting. But that relationship that Fabian Castillo has with Oscar Pereja is is so powerful and so bonding. Like, it, he's, I mean, Castillo signed all the way to 2019 with Dallas. I mean, he signed a long-term contract. He wants, as far as I can tell, he wants to. He really likes it. He really likes it in Dallas. Wants to stay there. And I, it's going to take a lot. I don't, actually don't think he wants to leave. But I think. Uh, if he realizes that um, he can bring in a big offer for the club and Oscar Pereira can use it, I, I think he'd be willing to go, you know what, I will leave 
because you're you can use the money, but I don't want to leave just because I want to go somewhere else. But it's, he he has a place here. He has a home here. Um, he's he's got a, he has a great coach that believes in him and brought him all this way. So I don't think his eyes may be thinking about it, but I'm not sure if it's distracting him that much. Well, he said that God would show him, the which is sort of kind of suggested that there is a window. Like when I hear that quote, that you know, if the money's right, is kind of what I read into that. That you know, that he was focused on Dallas and then like God would show him when the right time to leave was. And to me, that that sounds like when that opportunity comes. So I'm not quite as convinced that he doesn't, you know. I think, I think, I think in that situation, though, it's not I, I've been in those situations. And, and for me, being a being a person that does ha- kind of linger in that um in that realm. I mean, that that's something that I considered. It wasn't necessarily about money, but it was about situation. So it had had to have, it was a multi-factor uh, decision, right? So it didn't just have to do with whether or not um, the money was right, whether or not the right people, whether or not the right team. It had to have several things and it had to feel right. And it had to be what, um, I guess you could kind of say what, what, I felt was destiny. I mean, getting out of the military, okay, right, right, right. I, I had my own set of opportunities and um, it's easy to say, you know, okay, I just want to go for the, for the big money. But you realize once you have those situations that maybe big money is not necessarily what you want. Um, and, and, and sometimes you're just not comfortable with it. And I don't, as Jason said, it, it's far be it for me to speculate what's going on in his, in his mind. Um, I just try to relate um, situations to, to what I know and what I've been exposed to in my life. So uh, yeah, that's, that's where I'm at. But Jason, let me kind of, let me twist the question to you uh, just sure. very slightly. Cause it's something that we definitely wanted to talk about. Um, should Dallas even consider transferring Castillo? Because it just seems like it doesn't seem like at this point in time, any of the rumored offers seem quite fair for what you'd be. This is a legitimate um, eight figure guy, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, the, the, that's, yeah. that's for me. I, I'm like the, the discussion starts and st- starts um, probably closer to even 15 or even 20, let alone 10. I mean, wow. considering. <laughs> no, 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 Harrison, Harrison. I'm going to walk you back on that. You can walk. Just, just because I'm not, I've been. I'm not saying. No, 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 no. So, 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 so yeah, you can look at. I think 15 is reasonable. I think you're looking 10. at a transfer market. So let's, let, let's walk it back. It's, it starts. Obviously, it's not going to end at that high. It's, there's no way possible that he goes. But I think to get 10, that's where you start that conversation. Absolutely. That's so, fair. I mean, you're not going you, – let me not – let me not by any uh, stretch of the imagination tell you I think that they're going to get $20 million for having Castillo. But I think to get to that point, you're going to have a high bar that, you know, Club America says, how about eight? <laughs> we just kind of say, how about 17? You know, uh, it, it's it's a it, it, there's 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 a poker match being played here. Jason, where is that line? And, and do you think that there's any team out there that's really seriously thinking financially about about this investment? And is it going to get to that point that Dallas actually has to say, wow, that's a lot of money? Yeah, there's every every player has their price. 
uh, I mean, as much as you know, the the romantic in us as fans, you know, we'd love to see this, you know, like a homegrown player or a player that we brought in from a very young age. And kind of okay, we we developed them, we see them grow, we we cheered, we cursed at them, we you know supported them, we booed them, whatever it was. Like when we see them finally succeed, it's like well, not not everyone's gonna have like a Paul Scholes type career where you just stay with one club. And I mean, I don't know if this is actually true, but I read somewhere that Inter tried to buy him and he just he just said and put down a blank check to him and they said he said you have to buy Manchester United for me to play for you like buy the whole buy the whole stinking club so everyone has a everyone has a price and there's, there's that odd person who is going to stay um, with, with one club but yeah if if someone comes at 10 uh, I think Dallas should really consider it uh, I mean eight eight is also fine as long as they add on some other things to it, like we get a player back or like a sell-on clause or something. But I think I think if, if someone comes up to 10, uh, Dallas should definitely really think about it. And I don't want to lose Castillo, but this, this is a business after all. I so, think there's also something else to consider, and that is the way that Dallas is setting themselves up and the way which is to build homegrown, that costs a lot of money to invest in the academies. Dallas, um, they won't give how much money they're spending per player, but um, uh, it, it, I believe it's been confirmed that it's the most uh, out of, uh, I believe uh, there's a Washington Post piece that they talked to a bunch of academies and Dallas was spending the most uh, estimate estimated I, per I've player. Heard, I've heard that rumor as well. And... And I believe it. And in order for that system to work, you have to – there has to be a roster turnover, and you have to have the ability to sell to put it back into the academy to cover some of those costs with the expectation that you'll get someone else through. And then eventually you'll sell them to bring someone else through. Like this is the IX model, you know? IX thrives on bringing one and a half players through their, um, they graduate one and a half players every year through their academy, and then they sell guys like Snyder, um, uh, Vanderbart. Like they've sold, not Vanderbart. Uh, we're gonna edit out me struggling here, but uh, <laughs> no, we're not. It's it's fun to see you see you twist in the wind. How does it feel to be me? Ha ha ha. <laughs> Uh, let's see, Van Persie. They uh, they sold Van Persie. Uh, they've had uh, some tremendous sales over the years, and they were all players that they brought that they started at age 18, sold them by 20 or so. I mean, this is kind of how it works. So eventually, once you get the right price, it makes sense in the Dallas model that you have to sell because they do want to, in the long term, sell these players eventually. I would imagine, or it doesn't really make economic sense. Well, I I agree. I, they probably do want to sell them at some point, but at the same time, they don't necessarily have to. And just because they're investing in their in their youth doesn't necessarily dictate that you can invest in really good players where, such as Matt. Where are Hedges, they making that back a, though? Because I don't see them making it back at the ticket. I mean, not to you know, they don't draw in giant giant crowds. They do all right, but they're not. You know, it's not Seattle. Oh, Sean, that, um, was, that was very kind of you to say we don't draw in giant, giant crowds. You can just say it. There's, there's nobody showing up to these things. We're, we haven't even we haven't even sold out the, the 
the second leg of the Western Conference. Is that fight. true? That wow. Is, That's... Well, they haven't said that. I, I still see promotions for like, hey, get your tickets. I know you guys were doing the Big Mac deal for a while, or was it last year, and everyone was making fun of that. Um, what was that? You got like a Big Mac and a ticket. <laughs> it was something like, like you got a Big Mac with your ticket or something. I don't know. No. But it was, no. It was, I must have locked it was, out of my memory. <laughs> yeah, it was. I don't remember, but it was widely mocked. But I mean, I don't see them making it back there, jersey-wise. You know, they don't have the giant DPs. I'm sure uh, Castillo's jerseys do all right, but they're, it's not a top eight uh, selling jersey. I don't see this team raking in lots of money, which really begs the question, how are they going to justify all this academy spending if they're not looking to sell players at some point? And that's just what academies, good academies do. Well, yeah, but at the same time, do they have to <clears> – <throat> the, the question is, are they at the point to where they have to make money off their, their team? I mean, the majority of teams don't necessarily make money off the teams directly. They're making money off of the league, right? So, I mean, that's ultimately the, the question is whether or not this is a team that uh, can, can invest a, a little bit in – some specific players, you know, Mario Diaz, the question is whether or not he's going to be around, I think in the next couple of years, uh, I think that's a fair question. Cause if you start with Castillo, then you have to wonder about Diaz. And then after Diaz, then you have to go with, you know, uh, Barrios. And I think that it just continues on. And after a certain while, while that's, it's great to have that you, you do lose fans because it, it's kind of the question of, well, how much longer are they going to be around? You know, uh, if you're constantly selling them on because you get some sort of a payday, you develop a sort of reputation, and that's not necessarily a good one with, you know, that's not a good rapport to have with your supporters. Tell that to Ajax, man. Ajax is one of the most respected clubs, and, you know. I, I don't think, you know, you, you can you can talk about a few years that they were really good, and they kept the core together, and then they broke it up, and they kind of rebuilt. It, it's easy to, to say, hey, they – they've been doing this like clockwork and, and, and really they, they've done really well, but they've also invested some money. It's not like they're, they're only doing it one way. I think that there's a, I think there's a multitude of, uh, of methods that you can approach it. And, and I think that that's ultimately what MLS teams have to do. I think that they, I think you'd be really naive to say that you can't, you're not going to invest in some of these players that you that you create and that you help grow. Because if you don't do that, I mean, you're not going to be a successful you, team. I don't see Southampton uh, fans bailing because of Gareth Bale. They couldn't hold on to Gareth Bale. That's because, well, there, there's a couple different reasons for that. So they, they've still invested in players, right? They went out and... Exactly. That's my... Well, I mean, but my point is that they do have that. They, they do bring those people to... The, when you have... When you're not the top league and you have a good academy, you just have to accept the fact that people are going to graduate your team at some point. They're going to get other offers. And then you turn that into your model and say, okay, it's just a matter of when is the right time and do we have someone in the wings that can well, eventually and, step and through. And I think they believe in their academy. They absolutely believe in their academy. So, I, I, I mean – I. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying you do, you don't ever sell players, but I'm at the same time I'm saying you have to you have to invest in your players too. And I think they have with Castillo, and I think they have with a couple things. I, I with a couple different players. I, I think that they're going to continue to hold on and uh, allow so 
I mean, Teixeira is a great example of that, right? Uh, Jason could probably speak more to that than I could, but you know, they, they really gave, really gave him a chance after last year where they really probably didn't have to. Yeah. Um, also just going back to the IX exams like, and their fan base, like IX also won the champions league. Like they, they won something. They've won trophies even while churning and selling their players. Dallas has one trophy in their cabinet. So, so I, I, I agree with both sides. Like, well, you know, if we sell off our youngsters, um, the, the fan base would probably start to be a, a little unsettled there. But if Dallas can win something this year, win the MLS Cup, or maybe next year win something, win a trophy or two, and then you know it'll be easier to sell off. Well, we're gonna sell them off, but we have players ready. We can we can, we can do this at a sustainable rate. But yeah, but for Teixeira, I I don't understand that guy. <laughs> there, there are like these three second moments. I'm like, okay, he's a legitimate striker, and then there are these other thirty second moments. I'm like, uh, what, what's happening? <laughs> but, but Pereira, Pereira trusts him over Blas Perez at the moment, and I, I don't know why, but I've, I've known in my, in my years of questioning Pereira's decisions have always backfired. <laughs> Like with this lineup choices, like when he's like, wait, why are you starting calling shit at you know left back or right back? Like, wait, why is he playing central midfield now? Like, what's happening? Like, you know what? Never mind. If you think he's the go- the guy to g- we're gonna uh, go in the playoffs with, then sure. Who am I to question you? No, and I think that 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 comes down to your finding a coach that that's adept at um, playing positions at what the players at the positions that they excel at and the, in the areas of the pitch at which they're, they're very capable uh, of doing. And that's ultimately, I feel like that's our biggest beef with Jurgen Klinsmann as a, in general, as a coach um, is that he's really not good at that. And, and I mean, you point to a lot of different clubs that they're really, really good at finding a couple of young players. Um, Fulham's a, a excellent example. I think, uh, in this that they've developed and they've won a lot of awards at their their youth academy level uh they won a lot of trophies but they never really kept them together i mean patrick roberts is now with uh manchester uh city um Heidman is, is wanting to get to leave the club um so i mean Dembele is possibly headed over to tottenham to join the other Dembele. i mean so i mean there's a there's a lot of great examples about using youth and there's a lot of bad examples uh, that it's not worked out. So I think that you kind of pick your poison whenever you do it. And I think that, as you said, if you're capable, uh, as Jason said, if you're capable of winning a couple trophies and, and displaying that you can win using this this methodology, so long as you've shown a propensity for winning, fans are going to give you a little bit of a benefit of doubt. I mean, it's why the Sounders didn't lose faith, you know, necessarily when you're stuck with Eddie Johnson struggling and you transfer out Freddie Montero. Um, you're, you're giving him the benefit of the doubt that he gets to go on and do better things. And this team's going to go ahead and be able to, it is capable of some trophies, not well, MLS cups, but some trophies. Well, I mean, you mock it, but they're still they're still coming down with support. They still came down with the supporters' shield last year. They still came down with yeah, you know, I, I, US I Open just, Cup. I was poking I was poking you more than 
<laughs> yeah, making a point. <laughs> well, that, and that's fine. I think it's absolutely fair, and that's an indictment in and of itself, uh, especially when, uh, you know, Garth Lagerway talks about, uh, you know, winning another MLS Cup, and you're just uh, you're just stuck holding your holding your head going, oh, we haven't won one, buddy. Um, yeah, that's what happens when you... Another one for him. I mean... Yeah, well, yeah, another one for him. <laughs> right. Not another one for the organization. But, uh, I mean... And... Let's 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 just kind of move. we we've beat the horse. Uh, there there is a dead horse in our in each of our living rooms right now. We will we will definitely move beyond that. Let's let's kind of talk very quickly. LA Galaxy has some uh, situations ahead of them, trying to decide whether to whether to keep uh, Giazzi Zardes or Omar Gonzalez. I think I know wh- where you lie in this, but um, with the extra tam that's been confirmed uh, that's coming this way to MLS. Would it be wise for LA Galaxy to? When was it confirmed? Uh, I thought Washington Post Stephen Goff confirmed it, or no, not uh, not Stephen Goff. It was uh, SI. Um, when? Week ago? Not even. Week ago? I don't think it's. Over... Con- uh, I'm... Don't think. Yeah, I, I think it's rumored, funny. but it's it's rumored because uh, I've seen Klein quotes that they're still not tech, that they're not sure. Who? Oh, I, actually, Klein? I don't want to. I don't want to say I'm. I think it was more front office. I I don't remember if it was Klein um, specifically. But that re- they're still not sure. Regardless, and also SI reported that there's more TAM right. coming this way. A couple of teams did at least hint at that being true. Garth Lagerway in the um in the uh, the Sounders annual business meeting alluded to such. Um, so. It, I think that it it's about the nearest thing to being confirmed that could be confirmed. Maybe I'm wrong. We'll see. That being said, if it does and does come this way, would LA be responsible in using that to retain either Zardes or Omar Gonzalez? Well, I think. Uh, obviously, I'm not a Zardes fan. I think they should take the money and run. But I think LA's problems are much. I mean, like you're talking about those two, but then you also have to uh, Juninho. Uh, it, it looks like they might might not be able to hold on to him. Uh, there's uh, questions of there are rumors of Lejet having offers. The Galaxy might have a major roster turnover going on, and uh, I and right now they they're not even sure. They're sitting there waiting to see if Tam's coming so they can keep Omar. So they can't even start making moves. Is that smart? Should they be keeping Omar? Uh, Is he someone worth spending $800,000, dollars $900,000 It depends on how much roster turnover there is. I think if you, to me, I don't know if you saw the article I wrote, I think that they're fine with the roster of Villarreal. If they do a 4-2-3-1 with uh, Villarreal, Giovanni Dos Santos, Raul Mendiola and Robbie Keane at top, and then using the guy, if, heaven forbid, Juninho goes, you can use Kenny Walker in there. Or if you need a ball win- winner, you can put uh, Garcia in there. And I think that does fine. And if you can do that, then it would probably be best to keep Omar, even if I think he's overpaid. If not, I mean, Romney is... From far as I can tell, it's very hard to scout... Um, guys on limited minutes. Um, it's hard to scout defenders in general. But Romney looks like he's going to be a very good defender. And at some point, they, they need to put 
you know, more minutes into him. So I can see it, but, I mean, I don't know. And it's also a question of what can they do with Omar other than just letting him go. Like, they would want to try to get value for him. I think they're still looking, hoping that an offer comes in for him, you know. That's just a theory of mine. But it, it certainly seems, if you look at when they offered him the uh, third DP slot, it was they offered it to him late after they couldn't get a third DP a season. And the hope was, well, next year you're going to a World Cup. And you're going to start in that World Cup because you've been starting with Beasley, And then you're going to get offers off of that. And then we can sell you. And then, you know, it's a win-win. So we're going to keep you to sell you. That didn't yeah, that's, happen. He got yeah. injured. That, that was kind of a weird scenario, how that all went down, right? Yeah, so his entire DP slot is was kind of dependent on whether or not I think they could sell him. And then there was also sort of a hint. I asked Klein about the whole Geo situation. I asked him, did you go after Geo? Did you know about Tam when you went after Geo? And he said that they didn't, but they did it with Omar's blessing. Now, try to parse out what that means. What, is, do, they, what do they mean by that? Does, do they say... Omar, we might have to let you go if we get Geo. I mean, that's kind of the only way to interpret that, unless he misunderstood my question. So, I really don't know with the whole Omar situation. It's very, very tough. I think the Galaxy have a lot of tough financial uh, decisions to make. Uh, I think dropping Mika Varnon's a great start. But, it, yeah, the Galaxy might be... It's going to be a very interesting team to watch financially in the offseason. And they're kind of... Uh, handcuffed uh, right now by uh, this whole whether or not something's coming through, whether the league's going to change a rule for them. Yeah, it, it's it's kind of a complex situation that LA put a lot of eggs in the basket, expecting a certain situation to happen, and when that seemed very highly probable, and, and when it didn't happen, it, it kind of left them holding that uh the eggs and uh they weren't golden <laughs> so the question then remains are they going to be a team that next season is going to continue to play for that you know that mls cup i mean i think that it's more than likely that they can be an mls playoff team but are they a team that can win an mls cup I think that's a different question in and of itself. I think it's going to depend on um, Real being healthy because um, uh, I'm sure you've looked at, if you look at his per 90 like chance creation numbers, they're pretty elite. And it, it's pretty incredible what he's able to do. It's just the fact, the matter is, he's this tiny kid that gets injured all the time. And if you if you do a 4-2-3 once, you can hide Geo in a place where the his lack of defensive effort doesn't, uh, you know, uh, affect the team that much. And you have Villarreal and you have Mendiola, who makes really good runs behind. He's also uh, doing uh, live chance creation. That He's got 0.5 assists um, per 90 in USL Pro. Um, a lot of people think he has a lot of upside, including me. I think that's, you know, it, do the Dallas thing and just uh, put faith in the youth. And I think if they can stay healthy, absolutely. You can have, bring guys like like Bradford Jameson off the bench, you still have um, a strong defense. I think they can. I think they absolutely can. It also allows you to keep Gerard farther back so he doesn't have to push forward as much, which is that's like what he was doing with Liverpool that was successful towards the end of uh, his Liverpool career. I think they can be fine. It's just a matter of do they get the tactical balance to do it. 
Jason, I'm going to pose to you a really quick question. Um, in the limited play, what did you uh, what did you see from Will Johnson? Uh, did you see anything? Do you think he's this? Do you think he could be the same player? He's expected to hit the free agent market uh, this offseason, either by being waived and cut, or by uh, a, a few different other methods that are available to the Timbers. Um, is this a guy that's going to have a lot of suitors based off of? not necessarily off his play now, but off what um, they might think that he might What he did be. in the past. Yeah. Last, last year, last two years. Yeah, I don't know. His his situation kind of saddens me because he, he, Caleb Porter really brought him out of his shell and really, Will Johnson played phenomenally for, for this team, for the Timbers. And then to be injured that way and then be reduced uh, in his role, I, I don't see how many MLS clubs making that risk. Uh, He's doing well for Canada, though. Oh, he is. And then, But then, I mean, you weigh in the, his age along with the cost. It's like, do you... Yeah, I don't know. That's kind of, I mean, it's a hard situation because he's going to have an expected salary, right? That, that exactly. Really, that, that's, the, that's the downside about MLS and, 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 t- and taking veterans is that you're going to have to pay them a certain amount. And because you're paying them a certain amount and it's a capped league, you ha- they have to be of some use to you, right? You have to incorporate them in some, some way. So, I mean, either he's a guy that's going to play a lot of a lot of backup minutes or is a guy that's going to start for you uh, on some sort of basis. The big question is whether or not he's even worth paying, you know, over 200,000 for, you know, 1500 minutes. Let's and I'm not sure, way. I'm not sure that if, that's, that, that's an answer that can be an, even answered right now. If, if I'm a head coach and MLS, I would say, get him. If he's available, get him. Even if it's two hundred thousand and he plays limited minutes, uh, I do. Th- I think he he brings a there's he'll bring a good locker room presence. I mean, he, he captained the Tim the Timbers team. They're very very successful under his under his leadership. Even if it's limited minutes, maybe he's not the same player uh, as he was. He still brings something positive to the team. Uh, whether or not the front office or the owner will sign off on that check or not but if i'm a coach i, I would get him uh, at that price but whether or not another another team will do it yeah, i don't know um so that also begs the question as we talk about central midfielders and, and injury uh injury prone jermaine jones does he end up in mls i i, I don't see it personally but i mean you have Chicago Fire, who's completely obliterated their entire uh, their entire coaching staff um, this week, uh, or maybe even last week. Um, I I feel like they might be desperate enough to make that play. Outside of that, I'm not sure if there's another fit for him in MLS right now. Do you guys? Do either of you guys see that? See him making that move, or do you think he's going to uh, move on? I mean, if I were Chicago, I wouldn't. I think you get enough value from Stevens. Uh, oh, I, I'm you... not saying not. Say, oh, I agree. I agree. I'm not saying that they should. I'm just saying I could see them being that foolish. Yeah, Chicago is one of those teams that is. Well, I mean, they're new management now, but 
in the past, if there's a stupid move to make, Chicago will make it. <laughs> I, you know, I could also see it, maybe a DC United making that play with with how much they invest in uh, U.S. players. Um, and I mean, American but they already players. have Kitchen. Yeah. The question is whether or not Perry Kitchen continues to stay, and whether or not, you know, um, he. he He's good on his own. I mean, they do like that four-two-three-one. Um, maybe you pair him with Jones. I, I, I'm not saying that that's wise, but it, that's just something that's out there and something that, uh, moving forward, they do need more of attacking presence. Maybe that's something that helped New England. Maybe Jones brings that uh, for them. I don't know. So, I think he's gone. Yeah. I think it. I think it's best for the league if he's gone. But uh, uh, w- one last one last one is Ozzy Alonso, um, kind of a lesser Jermaine Jones in the sense that he's still going to be paid quite considerably. He has a little bit of an injury risk, but he's. St- I, I feel like he's still got a little bit left in the legs. Is is there there a team that's willing to really take the chance, or do you think this? And I don't mean to be cruel, but do you think the Sounders are stuck with him? How old is he? What he's thirty. 30. That's not that. I mean, not that old. It's not that old, and he's still um, here. Uh, you guys keep talking. I'm gonna pull up my spreadsheet on uh, defensive actions for for that position. No, I, I, I just to fill space. I, I think that Ozzy Alonso is somebody that's not necessarily 30 old, right? So you got to consider the fact that, and I'm a big believer in not just how many minutes um, you've played, but how many minutes you've you train for how much time you've put on your legs through your life. I think players that are playing professionally at 16, 18 years old age differently. I think there's a reason why American players can, can continue to play at 31 and 32 when you see that. So the players in the EPL deteriorating at 29 and 30, I think that there's a, a prolongment that happens because they don't play as much. There and, aren't a lot of players better. I mean, better than him at that position in the league. Um, that are getting comparable minutes. Um, there's Chara, uh, Pitterini. Is Pitter? Is how do you that how do you say it? I don't know. The the guy. Colorado. In, uh, yeah, Colorado. Yeah. Yeah, Pitterini. Uh, we'll go with that. Yeah, and then there's uh, the guy in Orlando. Was it Iguita? Iguita? How come none of these? See, and then there's Leba. So, uh, um, interestingly enough, there's also Pelosi, but that's at 549. Pelosi is actually second in the league in uh, at, uh Well, he completely changed San Jose. I mean, he was part of he was part of why yeah. they were so good in that second half. But, but uh, setting like that aside for one I'm second, saying like he's extremely elite. Like it's be it's be very hard if, if there's a team out there looking for a defensive midfielder, why not go out and buy the fourth best defensive midfielder in the league? So the question then comes uh, maybe as a response to to yours, is he worth that price tag? I mean, obviously you're going to have to probably pay him a fourth DP type salary. For some teams that like such as Philadelphia, they don't even have a third DP. You're going to have to pay that extra money. I mean, is he worth that wage bill? Um, I'm gonna have to think of. Well, he makes what, four hundred, six hundred thousand? Is that right? He, he, I, I believe the price tag associated with the, with him is uh, six hundred. Six hundred? You? That's pay. That's um with Tam coming in. 
if there is new TAM coming, even with the, there's a lot of existing TAM still out there, that's easy to pay down. That's really easy to pay down. I think there are plenty of teams who, um, who would absolutely, who could absolutely do it and, you know, could use a nice, just a good defensive midfielder. Yeah. I, I, Why I not? He's very I good. He's, I think he's elite. I mean, I think if he was healthy and played against Dallas, I don't think Dallas would have gone down that series. I, I think I think Alonso can be a player that pushes any team to to that to that next level. So if you are a playoff caliber, you are sent, you get Alonso, you are uh, now in the MLS Cup contender category. You you weren't making the playoffs, you get him, you are now in playoff talks. I think he's that good, and I think he's worth. I think he's worth it. So, Harrison, I don't think you're stuck. See, I was stuck with him. I think you guys are blessed with him. <laughs> I, I would take him. Give me I, him. I, I, you know what? I, I'll take him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll trade him for Vic. You, you, we'll, we'll, we'll get our team. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Slow your roll there, buddy. Uh, hey, I know I, I know who you guys got. I, I, I have my eyes on you guys. Um, I don't think that it's... It's that they're stuck with them. I think that it's that they are trying to evolve this roster and they're trying to do it by finding player. They, they have so many players with Valdez and even Schitz and, and Marco Papa and, and Obafemi Martins, Dempsey, that don't necessarily all fit together. So I think that it's about trying to find out, find some new formation and, and Ozzy might be a casualty of that uh not to say that i condone or, or want to see him gone if they can make him you know fit in that uh, you know financially i think that that's that's yeah as you said i think that's a blessing i would love to bear um but at the same time you know you have to you have to just definitely uh consider your options and some of those might not necessarily be about talent uh, or financial. It, some of it's about political. When you tell a player, hey, come to MLS and, you know, two years, two out of three years, those players come. And then at the end of the season, they're gone. You know, Christian Tiffert and, you know, maybe uh, even Schitz, you know, I, I think that that, that kind of is a problem. I think that if you bring in a player at midseason, he has to be not just for that season, but he has to be for the year after as well. So, um, you know who could use him? Who's New that? New York City FC. Could you use Team... Ozzy? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Could you imagine? Yeah, they could use a lot of players. Could you, but, yeah. could you imagine if you traded Mix for uh, Ozzy straight up? Oh, man, uh, Mix would be a hit in Seattle. He he would be a he would be a class in Seattle. But on top of that, I feel like Mix is who Seattle kind of wants, right? They they kind of want somebody that can fill that ten role, and he's not playing that for for NYC. They want him to play that Aussie role, that sixth role. And I feel like that's why a lot of and you've heard me rant about this before, Sean. I feel like that's why a lot of people think that he's so underwhelming in. New York is that they're trying to use him for something that he's really not built for that he doesn't excel at. So I'm not uh, sure he's a ten. Either. You know what? Tell Seattle, give me a call. I've got a couple spreadsheets of some of some guys. Guaranteed, yeah, from... guaranteed number ten. <laughs> so that's a Sean Stephan guarantee. They will be MLS MVP next year. Just give me a ring. You know, 
yeah, yeah. Finder's I, fee, yeah. I, I think, but see, here's the, here's the thing that you that you have to juggle, it, right? Is international players are a bigger cap hit. And not only that, not only financially, they're a cap hit that you also take up an international roster spot. So, I mean, oh, you, mine are all young DPs. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> oh, that's right. You did get grab the young DPs. Yeah. Well, we don't really have a DP slot available, so we'll just have to deal with that. Um, <laughs> we are just uh, we're regressing into nonsense. Um, do you do you either have uh, anything left for that that would be anywhere intelligent for this podcast any further can we make predictions for the for the final leg i will predict that one of these teams whether it be columbus or portland i don't know which i don't think both of them will go to the go uh to the mls cup i i don't think both of them will interesting I think someone's go- going to uh, be upset. I- I'm inclined to believe it's the Red Bulls, but I, I think that uh, the away goal could prove uh, very costly for um, Portland as well, too. Jason? You know what, go, oh, go ahead. Go, go ahead, ahead, Jason. You, you know, I was no. going to say that I'm going to stick to our initial pick, Harrison. You're backing out. I'm, I am still think it's going to be Dallas, New York. I don't actually think that, but I'm going to stick to my guns. <laughs> Jason? I'm too emotionally invested, so I'm not going to pick. But <laughs> I will I will give this little t- tidbit to end this. I, this year, I found out that Chris Clute's name isn't Chris Clute. It's pronounced Clutie. Yeah. Really? Really. And no, everyone's called him Clute. And no, he's, he's been so nice, he hasn't bothered to correct him. Like, That's awesome. But, but this that, is makes name. Me, that makes me like him even more, though. Like you want to get your name right, man. You can you can correct us on how we pronounce your name. It's Clooney. So who who would you, uh, assuming that you know uh, Portland falls apart because they're really great at bunkering? Um, <laughs> who would you rather see? Um, and not necessarily because you think you match up better with them. Who, who do you feel like I really want to? Uh, I really want to have another shot at. New York Red Bulls or Columbus Crew? I want New York. They took, they took, the, they took the shield. I, I wanted a shot at I take a trophy from them. Wow. All right. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, Jason, thank you so much. Why don't you tell the people where they can follow you at uh, if they're not already on Twitter? Oh, you can follow me at uh, Jason H. Poon. And I write for Big D Soccer. And yeah, thanks for having me on such short notice and listening to my rambling nonsense. Uh, well, people listen to us uh, ramble, uh, and it's pretty much nonsense as well. So I, I it's really oh, I a tr- it's really a treat for them. Uh, is that so. con- is that confirmed that people listen to us? Yeah, 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 not not many. <laughs> it's like matthias drew's mom and uh somebody's mom must listen to us yeah well it has to i had to throw drew's mom in it just drew i I really want to throw it at drew drew will definitely he live tweets us as he listens i don't know if you picked that up last last week but he actually like tweeted us like saying oh you're wrong about x y and z and i was trying to figure out what he was doing yeah what's that (laughs) 
I just I couldn't figure out what he was doing. I was like, why is he just tweeting this? I yeah, I know. Yeah, it was because we had just released a podcast, <laughs> and he had to he had to get his two cents in because you know he's busy and can't always join us, which is too bad because uh, I'm sure that uh, we we'd have some some good debates between us as well as uh, from him and Sean. So it, it it'll be a welcome. Uh, welcome return when he comes back and uh, can join us but uh we're, we are trying to do this more on monday so hopefully uh, that'll work out for you too and have us on I, I know here in the next next month we'll probably do a season in review and we'll do all sorts of kind of fun th- fun outrageous things over the off season or we might not even podcast who knows we're crazy that way <laughs> uh you can follow Sean uh, on Twitter if y- you enjoy in being berated at Sean Stefan. I am Harrison underscore Crow. Uh, Mr. Stefan, say goodbye. I don't berate people that often. I want to clear that up. And I apologize <laughs> to that guy. I really did. I apologize to that guy. <laughs> <laughs> I was in the wrong, and I apologize. So please follow J- me, people. <laughs> Jason, say goodbye. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Thanks for listening. Federico Iguain and have a great day. I hope you continue to listen to us and our nonsense. It's great.